from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where he meets musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome light designer and filmmaker Brandon Sterling Baker. Brandon is an Inwood-based filmmaker and light designer working internationally in the areas of dance, opera, theater, and film. His lighting can be seen internationally in the repertoires of New York City Ballet, American Ballet Theater, San Francisco Ballet, Dutch National Ballet, Hong Kong Ballet, Berlin Staats Ballet, Joffrey Ballet, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Opera Philadelphia, Cincinnati Ballet, Paul Taylor's American Modern Dance, and many others. Baker's work has been presented by major venues including Guggenheim Museum, Lincoln Center, Kennedy Center, Walt Disney Concert Hall, Hollywood Bowl, Brooklyn Academy of Music, Theatre du Chalet in Paris, Sadler's Wells in London, and the Guggenheim Bilbao in Spain. Baker received the prestigious Knight of Illumination Award in 2019 and was appointed Lighting Director and Resident Light Designer of the Boston Ballet in 2018. His forthcoming short film documentary, Go Live in the Woods, is a recipient of the Inwood Fil Festival Filmmaker Fund Award. We're going to talk about his work as a designer and so much more, but first, let me welcome you, Brandon, and what works on air. Good to see you. Good I'm so happy you. to be here. Well, it's great having you here. Thanks for making the time. Um, you know, you have a busy schedule, so appreciate you fitting us in here. Uh, and from listening to me rattle off and try to pronounce your accomplishments, um, it is no great reach to say that you're a very accomplished light designer, uh, particularly for dance and special events, uh, but by no means limited to it. Uh, however, you work so often in the form of dance. Is there a reason why you are drawn to that art more than others? So I moved to New York in 2010, and... I, uh, my first job ever was as an assistant at the New York City Ballet. There was a fellowship that exists also for directors and other uh, mediums, but I was an assistant um, at, Lincoln, at Lincoln Center really for the New York City Opera, the ballet, and also for the theater and other things. But what I realized is uh, I felt most at home in the world of dance, and it could be, I think, because I grew up as a musician, and so there's a deep, deep connection to music. And uh, especially live music, like everything is live at Lincoln Center, especially for the ballet. And so it suddenly felt like home. And also, I should just say, uh, when I was with the ballet at that time, I discovered there was this amazing young group of composers and choreographers that were all my age that were like really eager to make a difference. And whether or not that happened or not doesn't matter, but we really uh, found an opportunity to like make something come alive for a new generation. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. And, and these people have gone on to work. Yeah, and, and, totally. and, and you guys have included each other in your other's work, right? Yeah. No, it's changed our lives, and it still does even today. So it's great. Well, I, I'm so glad you mentioned like how you came up because I feel apprenticeship is something sorely lacking in today, uh, particularly uh, COVID aside, which obviously presents a lot of interaction in person. Um, I feel every, uh, say what you want to about the digital age, it's helped in many ways. I think it's hindered in others, uh, where it's made life maybe less impersonal at times. So um, I'm very blessed that I came up in a system of an apprenticeship through theater as well from what I've done um, and internships or calling it whatever. Um, and so uh, I'm so, re so, so refreshing to hear how that has kind of propelled you into your career. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I think all it takes is someone to give you a chance. And I think that you can be lucky, but you also have to be ready for the luck. 
but at the same time without a mentor without other people to um look up to it's hard to know where to go and so to me that's sort of it changed everything and now you repay the favor to younger people too right oh for sure yeah every day it happens a lot yeah that's awesome um, well, for the uninitiated, let's take a step back. They may not know what the role of a light designer uh, and then their, their part in the creative team. Can you speak to what you do to articulate and shape the story of performance? So I, I like to say that a light designer, our, our job really above all is we, we provide a point of view. And whether that be an opera, a ballet, a theater play, or anything, we sort of structure the way we view a work. And I think... Another way I like to think of it is that we're designers of frames. And so what I mean by that is we frame the world that you witness or you watch as an as a audience member. And so I take that responsibility very seriously. And so when I work with different directors or choreographers, it's up to me to understand, well, what is that frame? And, uh, and what I also mean by that is I don't think of myself as a decorative designer. My work is deeply connected to the... Um, like the work as a whole. And so I'm very much involved from the very beginning of a process, even when just the music is decided. So I have a long partnership with a choreographer named Justin Peck. And Justin and I have been working together now for 12 years. And today, just this afternoon, we're going to do our 21st collaboration together at Lincoln Center. And uh, I only bring that up because the lighting is part of the DNA of all of his work. And I feel that way for everyone I work with. And so... We, we have to pick color, the direction, uh, the tempo and the speed and the rhythm of the light, all specific to a story. And so to me, in its simplest form, that's, that's really what I do as a lighting designer. Love it. That's perfect. And I couldn't say it any better than that, how it is um, a collaborative process and it is an integral part of framing the story. And, um, and I love the idea of, of, of it is you are using your point of view to establish a point of view in the story. Right. And I think that's incredibly insightful. Um, so speaking about your artistic pursuits, I like to turn to the subject of your film, uh, Go Live in the Woods. Uh, can you tell us about the project and how the idea for it came about? So yeah, I, I have to admit, and as you know, I'm not necessarily a filmmaker by trade, but I, uh, like, I, like I've said, I'm a lighting designer, but a lot of the skills um, in terms of, like I was saying before, design a frame, uh, provide a point of view, it's very similar, I have to say, to the way I view the world and the way I view uh, even film. And I'm, I'm obsessed with film. I've always been. And so over uh, the course of the pandemic, especially the, at the early part of the shutdown, I was commissioned by uh, the Guggenheim Museum's Works and Process series to create my first ever film. And it was inspired by natural light and and, and oddly enough, it was I chose to um, use Inwood Hill Park. And so I only mentioned this because it was sort of the root of why I applied for the Filmmaker Fund. And so um, over the course of the shutdown, I became close with my neighbors. These were people I had never seen really before the shutdown, didn't know they were there. And uh, in particular, there were these two women, uh, Pat Tillery and Libby Rice, who uh, were my neighbors. And I had seen them every day. And we became very, very close. And what I discovered is uh, they had these amazing stories about our community of Inwood. And they, uh, I mean, Libby has been here since the 1980s. Pat has been here since the early 1970s. And so between the two of them, I thought there was something incredible about their life story and, most importantly, their friendship and how 
this friendship is centered around the woods, around Inwood Hill Park. And so this is the story itself is very much um, a story of friendship. It's sort of my, in my opinion, a love letter to these two incredible women, but also just like um, it sort of captures the spirit of Inwood without being too literal, I think. And by all means, it was important to me. It was not a, a Ken Burns documentary, but more of a oral history and, like I said, a portrait of two incredible women. Is there something to be said about preser- preserving time and place in the in the world in the in the time that it exists? Um, and I think what you're setting out to do is uh, incredibly admirable and very worthy. Um, we never, th- I think, there's a an undersight about valuing the present. <laughs> Everyone wants something else, right? It's like you, the grass is always greener, maybe for some people. I'm not quite sure how it goes about. I'm guilty of it. I think everyone may be guilty of it. Uh, I'm not judging. I'm just saying. And uh, I feel that, you know, we, this is quote Billy Joel, these are the times to remember because um, even at last forever. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sing it, I promise. But, uh, but I think there are, um, there's a yearning for nostalgia, and I feel that there's something to be said about who we are now. And I think this podcast actually might serve as a small little tiny domicile of time capsule, if you will, um, in the future, perhaps. We'll see. Um, yet to be told. But I feel what you're doing with, with Libby and, and Pat's story is something that's uh, truly invaluable in the sense of that you're preserving this friendship. You're doc- it's, it's documentation, if anything. Um, but... Again, bringing in that point of view um, and showing your, um, I find, um, I was taught a long time ago and I feel it's true, like all the best art comes from a very personal point of view. Uh, And and the fact that you were so close to them, uh, we get to share your vision of them and what you feel is important to capture and point out. And uh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see how um, how this is depicted on the screen. Yeah, and I have to say, and I said this before, but I really, really mean it. This film would have never happened had I not applied for the grant. And so I say that not just to be like funny about the grant, but I say that because, you know, I'm a lighting designer. And so for me to be able to explore this medium of film, which to me was not a stretch, but to have you that believed in the project, to me, I think says a lot about Inwood as a community, but also as the as the arts um, project. And so... Um, my hope is that people will get to know Inwood sort of indirectly through two like sort of lifelong residents. And so it's kind of a cool film that's not just for the locals, but it's for any, anyone that lives in our world today. Yeah, because, you know, that's the mission of our company is like we created this as not just a love letter to Inwood, the fact that we believe that they're incredibly talented people living amongst you that are your neighbors uh, and that deserves championing, I felt, which is why... I'm doing all this, um, right. or have done it, and will continue to do it. Uh, and on this, and on the second side of things too, is that those people who may not, may or may not have an artistic bent to them, as far as career minded goes, there's an incredibly culturally conscious, art loving community here. Uh, and I think, um, and I think, I know, I happen to know Pat Tillery very personally too, so I think that'll capture that as well, being the cheerleaders. Uh, but she is an artist in her own right, so um, I think you're. I think what you're doing is all. Is just, it'll come across incredibly well, and and I I agree with you. I think I think it will shine on to show 
um, anyone who sees this film uh, puts a little flag in the ground in Inwood for its our artistic creativity and um, and the, the cultural vibrancy of our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it's almost done. I should just say, like, I was about to say, where, where are we are in the where are we in the process? And um, and I just I feel like it's a it's a kind of a boilerplate question, but it's it wouldn't be if it wasn't true, um, because you had to make this in the most difficult time, and creating a film is difficult at any time. Um, so what what how did the project change, or if it, it did at all, because of the co- the COVID and everything else? Well, really, I mean, I knew I've always wanted to. I mean, I I, was, I became obsessed with oral histories and like podcasts and interviews and just documenting people's lives for a while. And so I knew I wanted to do this, and it kind of didn't matter if it was, and in some ways, if it was a like just audio only or footage only. And so I, as soon as I got the call from you that we were going to do this. I literally started filming the next day. And so, and I say that let, not... Let a spark under you, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a few reasons for it. It's like time is really precious for one. And I'm traveling a lot. It works really great. But I also feel like there's a great urgency to tell this story. And so I um, I also, part of the concept for this film is that you see, you see these two women over different seasons. And so I started filming in September, uh, October, November, December, and then January. So we filmed it all these past few months uh, in Inwood Hill Park, in our community. And originally it was going to be inside our the apartment building as well, but we ended up not needing it. I did shoot that footage. And so it became more of a collage process in terms of footage. But uh, I have to say it didn't really change my process so much because it was really about the people and it didn't matter where they were. Well, that's great to know. I mean, you, you learn that throughout that it was just, as long as you're centered on, you know, the story and who these people are, it didn't quite. Oh no. Yeah, totally. mean, like you, you didn't need the third character of Inwood to be you no, know, telling yeah. that story for it you. It can stand on its own. That's what's cool about it. That's yeah. really cool. Wow. Well, we look forward to seeing it at ho- our next Inwood Film Festival. We hope it's coming up soon as, you know, as anything else. I, I get calls almost on a daily basis. When are you having it? When are you having it? When are you having it? So when we're allowed to have it. And we're not going to put anybody in harm's way. And we're going to do it when we can do it. It will get done. And so I can't wait to share this with our community here. Yeah. Um, and I guess, has it, uh, doing this film project, um, has it sparked uh, more love for a film? Like, do you want to create more films? Uh, or is it something that you kind of like, is it more of a special project into, into itself? I feel like I, I want, uh, if like, like I said, I sort of live a double life of a lighting designer and now this film thing is a hobby. But I have to say, I want to be really picky. I don't want to just keep doing films just to do them. Right. And so I want to wait for the next thing to come up. You know, like for the, for the, I want there to be a reason Sure. To create a film, not just for the craft of it. And so I'm in no immediate rush, but I want to make sure I do this film quite some justice. And I'm very, I have to thank you also. I am uh, Asher Ben Orr, who's a local musician, uh, is doing the score for the film. Which Great. Is, so that's sort of the last ingredient, and then it's done. And so um, I've been editing alongside of filming. So that's how I've been able to keep it pretty efficient. So, folks, not only is it being created locally by a local filmmaker uh it's starring local people so it's a local story set locally shot locally and the score is created by a local musician so i mean you you can't be more on mission than that (laughs) you had directions for this this grant i mean i mean he gets checks all the boxes uh even though we're very lean you don't have to set it in inwood you don't have to be an inwood story so to speak uh uptown story but i am so glad that like 
it makes me happy uh, to feel um, feel that you know these are the reasons why we I, cre- I created the grant in the first place. And years ago, not knowing you or other people who have applied to tell these kind of stories, and yeah, I I, I think it does make a difference. And um, like I said, we couldn't be more happy and excited to see it. Right. Um, is there anything else but the anything else about the film you want to share? No, I'm just excited for people to see it. I think I'll let the, sp- the film uh, speak for itself. Awesome. Well, uh, Brandon, I know you have many things to do, including a show tonight. So uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, and before we say goodbye, though, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? You can uh, look at on my website, sterlingbaker.com, and that's S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G. Uh, and then if you're ever in Boston, you can come to the Boston Ballet, or if you're at Lincoln Center, you can come see the New York City Ballet. Um, and my work's at both companies. So I hope you all can come. There's your invitation. Go do it, folks. Uh, thanks again, Brandon, for joining us on this Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call here Upstate Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here in Inwood, New York City, for hosting us, and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, concerts, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Uh, you can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.